in to Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, also on the ESPN Chicago app. And, of course, you can always watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. Shout out to all the Twitchers hanging out with us tonight here on ESPN 1000. The guys were off tonight, Black and Abdallah. They filled in for Greeny this morning from 10 to noon here on ESPN 1000. And if you missed any of that, check it out on the Black and Abdallah podcast wherever you get your podcast. 312-332-3776. We've been talking uh, a lot of bears today. Where are we where what's the pulse of of Ryan Poles right now? How are you feeling on Ryan Poles and what he can accomplish this off season? We've got a couple calls on the line here. Let's start with Chad. He's in Lombard. What's going on, Chad? Hi, how's it going? I just had a, a, a couple trades for the draft, I just want to get your thoughts on it with two different teams. All right, let's um, trade it up. Was, yeah, the first one I was thinking if the Bears could trade with the Colts for the fourth pick, they would get two first-round picks this year's and next year's, and either Nelson, the guard, or else the wide receiver, Pittman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm asking too much with those three players. I know Pittman and Claypool are the same draft class, so we'd have to pay both of them um, if they both turn out to be stud receivers. Or, or else also, um, I mean, this is going to take a long shot, but the Bears trading down with the Texans for the first pick, for the second pick and their second round pick, and then parlaying that into another trade with the Colts if everything works out. Okay. Um, listen, I, I personally am a huge Michael Pittman fan. I think he's one of those underrated guys who just has never been able to establish a rhythm with a quarterback uh, just because of the turnstile nature of what we've seen at the quarterback position for the the Indianapolis Colts. I just don't know where the Colts' heads are at right now in terms of trying to move some of the players and established talent on their roster. It's it's something that, sure, we can dream right now with, with, as Bears fans and hope that maybe we can get one of those guys to to come our way but i don't know if that's something again it takes two to tango right it it takes indianapolis saying yes as well i'd love it i think your your head's in the right spot as a bears fan i just don't know where where the colts heads are at in terms of moving established talent like you brought up nelson you brought up a guy like michael Pittman, but we'll see and then how about the what would it take for uh the texans to trade up to the first pick what would it take um, yeah, I know they're second overall, but how much more draft capital can we get from them by moving up one spot? I think that it would take a a serious threat from one of the the AFC South teams, uh, whether it's the Titans, whether it's the uh, Colts, like you mentioned. There, you would need that to to actually be able to, or otherwise, there's really no point in the Texans moving up. Unless there isn't a well, I shouldn't say just the AFC South teams. There needs to be a lure of someone else moving up, and I just don't know who that team might be right now. There, there's again, we we can go through the list of teams, but there's also a ton of quarterbacks that could be out there to either be traded for that are more established, or that will be free agents as well, and the ability to go out and get them without having to sacrifice draft capital. Because when you're going out and getting a quarterback, chances are one of two things is happening. You're either rebuilding and rebooting this thing from scratch, or you're going out there and you're just a piece away. And that if you're just a piece away, like I think a number of teams are, when you look at 
team like the Jets, um, maybe even the Raiders sort of fall into that category right there. The Titans might feel like they're just a quarterback away from getting back into the playoffs. Um, the Bucks could feel the same way too. Um, when you feel like you're just a quarterback away in certain situations, you're not as inclined to go out and um, make a trade in the, in the draft. You may sacrifice draft capital, but you'd rather go out there and just spend money or, but you're not trading to get the number one pick in all likelihood. Okay, I got you. And would you say Pittman is a number one wideout? I think he's a good number two. I think he's a good number two. But if you put him alongside a guy like Mooney, guy like Claypool, when you've got a collection of twos, don't get me wrong. I want a one, right? But I think you put him along a collection of twos. He may be one of those guys, though, who we don't know what his true talent is because we haven't seen him in a um, in a sustained quarterback environment. So that's listen. I'm a big Michael Pittman fan. I just I don't know if he's a number one quite yet. I think. Maybe he could get there. He's certainly still young and has the ability to get there one day. But usually you see if a guy is a bona fide number one receiver, you would know by now with Michael Pittman. Like you look at some of the number ones in the NFL, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill. Like you knew early with those guys that they were number ones and they were studs. So that's that's where I'm at right now with Michael Pittman. Appreciate the call, Chad. Thank you. Yep, that's Chad in Lombard. Jerry's in Mokina. Jerry, welcome to Black and Abdallah. How's it going tonight? What's going on, Jerry? What you got for us? Well, I think that maybe we should uh, draft back to four. It seems like Indianapolis needs a quarterback. And then after we trade back to four, maybe trade back to seven or eight, and where uh, both those teams need quarterbacks, and we could either get uh, the left tackle from uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, the Johnson kid, or the uh, kid from uh, Northwestern, who's mm-hmm. also uh, a left tackle. Because, uh, let's face it, uh, Fields didn't have time to throw. And uh, there isn't really, I mean, we need a, a solid left tackle. And uh, by that way, we could pick up a lot of draft ta- capital from both these teams. Uh, wide receiver, we might be able to pick up uh, DeAndre Hopkins from uh, his availability through free agency. What do you think? You know, you bring up an interesting point there with the um, with DeAndre Hopkins, and um, I, I do want to kind of circle to something that I saw earlier today, and, uh, and appreciate the call there, Jerry. Um, so there was the news that came out today. Ian Cunningham was offered the job of general manager of the Arizona Cardinals. And he turned it down. And it seems like at this point, all the general manager jobs are filled. Granted, there are only two. Um, And Ian Cunningham will be back with the Bears as the assistant general manager under Ryan Poles for this upcoming season. I do remember back when the Cardinals cleaned house with Steve Keim and with Cliff Kingsbury that there was the the report that Michael Bidwill, the owner of the Arizona Cardinals, said one of the discussion points with general manager candidates is the future of DeAndre Hopkins. And there were some reports that the Cardinals are going to look to move DeAndre Hopkins. And maybe that's something that Ian Cunningham was not very excited about. And maybe that's a reason why he didn't want to take 
that job in Arizona. Again, I'm not saying it is the sole reason. I'm just trying to maybe connect some dots that, but I very well could be swinging at ghosts here. So if he maybe didn't want to trade DeAndre Hopkins or didn't like the direction that maybe ownership was going to impose on him, because again, there's only 32 of these, these jobs here. Um, it's very, it takes a lot for someone to turn down a head coach or a general manager job. Um, but maybe that was one of the things that he didn't feel comfortable doing. And maybe he didn't like some of the control that he would or would not have as the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals in what is already a very interesting situation that they've got down there in Arizona right now, whether it's the, the quarterback who doesn't seem like a guy that you can trust very often, whether it is some, what's in flux right now with hiring a head coach all that stuff. It all plays into that. But maybe he gained a little bit of intel from that of what the Cardinals' motives are going to be with trading for DeAndre Hopkins. And maybe Ian Cunningham does like DeAndre Hopkins enough to go out and make the trade, to try and get him in a Bears uniform and be that established number one for Justin Fields. Who knows? That, that was something that kind of percolated in my mind today when I saw that Ian Cunningham uh, ended up not taking the Cardinals job here. Gideon is on the north side. Gideon, welcome to Black and Abdallah. Hey, Tyler. How's it going? I'm great, Gideon. What you got for us tonight? So you asked the question, how do you feel about Ryan Poles? Mm-hmm. Um, before hiring Kevin Warren, I, I felt comfortable with Ryan Poles, but we haven't seen him build the team we haven't we've seen him tear down the team mm-hmm. we hadn't s- seen him build up the team and now having kevin warren in the building um and still having ian cunningham in the building i feel really happy with the front office infrastructure that the bears have put together and this is like the first time i think bears fans can say that um in a very very long time probably since George Hallis, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't around, Gideon. I don't know if you were around for George Hallis days. A, but, uh, I was not around. I, no. Yeah, so I, I won't try to speak for, for the Hallis era, but I can speak for, for my current era. I think I, I feel pretty good about the direction of this franchise, especially given the amount of uh, resources that they'll have. Real quick, Gideon, before I let you go, you got a big game yeah. tonight, don't you, my friend? We do, we do. We're playing the Hoosiers. Um, I'm... I'm a little worried that we'll have a letdown after two big wins against Michigan State and Minnesota, uh, but I'm I'm looking forward to the game. I'm just a little worried about a letdown tonight. Um, we'll we'll see how how we do. We've we've done pretty well with shooting the ball lately, and we've done well on the defensive end, which I think is where it starts for a Brad Underwood team. Well, if it makes you feel better, the Hoosiers have done nothing but let people down this year. So th- this is, I mean, we're talking about the two most disappointing teams in the Big Ten right now. Yes, um, but uh, the the thing that scares me is we lost to Indiana in the football season. So uh, having lost to Indiana in the football season and that being one of the reasons why we didn't win the the West Division, I'm worried that they're going to spoil our season in basketball mm. also. Okay. So you don't think yeah. it's revenge. You think it's a trend. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. I got you there. Thanks for the call, Gideon. 
Of course. Take care. All right, that's Gideon. He is on the north side here. 312-332-3776. I've got my one thought for every single NFL playoff game that's taking place this weekend. We'll do that when we return here on Black and Abdallah. Chicago's home for sports. Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. I'd like you to meet someone who's really special. It's Black and Abdallah. A real inspiration. Follow us on the gram at Black and Abdallah and at ESPN underscore Chicago. Every single playoff game for this upcoming weekend in just a little bit. But first, let's take a few of your calls here. Tyler Rocky sitting in for Black and Abdallah tonight on ESPN 1000. T.O. is in Elgin. What's going on, T.O.? Hey, Tyler. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. What you got for us tonight? So, I've got a question. Like, if, you know, the Bears trade down to four in, with the Colts, and um, you have to pick somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I like... Uh, Will uh, Will Anderson mm-hmm. or Angela Carter? But if you got a chance, who, who you will pick of both of, of both of those players? Well, I think it's better. Yeah, so I'd imagine if you're drafting there at four, I'd imagine one of those two guys is off the board at that point. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I kind of said it earlier, but I, I'm cool with whoever's there. Whoever's oh, that because like you need a defensive tackle on this team and you need an edge rusher, preferably. Okay. I, I know the people talk about the uh, the three technique being so instrumental in Matt Eberflus's defense. I think the Courtney's preferred pick would be Jalen Carter if she had the the choice between the two. Um, but for me, the way that I I kind of see football played now is edge rushers are are more destructive. But Courtney would probably understand the intricacies of Eberflus's defense and why that three technique is so much more important. Um, so that's why she likes Jalen Carter a lot more, I believe. Oh, okay, thank you, man. Appreciate nice it. Day. Yep, you have a good night, T.O. Ryan's on the south side. Ryan, what's going on? Tyler, what's up, man? Thanks for taking my call. I wanted to say you do a great job for stepping in for Black and Abdallah when they're out, man. Love listening to you. Appreciate it, Ryan. Um, so a lot of these guys, you guys were talking about, um, you know, guys brought up Pittman. Obviously, guys like uh, Hopkins, his name, have been thrown out there and other guys. I think I'm in the the pool that would push for just draft capital. I mean, unless we're getting a guy like DJ Moore, 25, T. Higgins at 24 would be a nice piece, but I just don't really see Cincy moving on from him at all, regardless of, you know, what we have to offer in draft capital. We went out and got this guy, Poles. He's done a good job at sitting on a cap situation and really turning us into, I think it would probably be a historical difference between the one and two in terms of total cap room left Mm -hmm. in the league going into this offseason. Yeah. Let's let's get this guy some draft picks and let him cook and, instead of chasing after a, a Hopkins who's 29 years old or somebody else who's an aging veteran um, or a guy who probably might at best turn into like a wide receiver too, like you said, Pittman and even some of those other guys. I love me some DJ Moore, but like, is he really that alpha dog number one wide receiver? Or is he just a really, really good dude? Let's give this guy some draft capital and let him go get that alpha one at some point, if not this year, in the future years. Yeah, I think it's a really good point, Ryan, because, you know, people have been critical of what Ryan Poles did in the draft this year. Obviously, the Valus Jones pick didn't work out. I think he did pretty well with those first couple of picks with Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon. But 
We haven't seen what a first-round pick under Ryan Poles looks like yet. And when you talk about building your legacy as a general manager and a really successful GM, a lot of that predicates on how successful are you on first-round picks. And we saw Ryan Pace was not successful on first-round picks. The the draft track record for a lot of Bears GMs have not been successful on first-round picks. So I'm with you. I would like to see what uh, a first-round pick looks like for Ryan Poles. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Love the show. Keep doing great work, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. Pat's in the South Loop. Pat's, what's, Pat, what's going on? Yeah, man. And uh, as far as Ryan Poles, I, I think people need to realize uh, uh, what's going on this offseason position that the Bears are in in terms of salary cap space and draft capital, that was not an accident. Those were all strategic moves by Ryan, Ryan Poles. Now, last offseason, he did the best he could with the situation he inherited. He moved on from Mac, got it, got some draft capital, and got his contract off the books. He also did not make any type of attempts to add long, long-term contracts or really elite talent in free agency. And I don't want to call it necessarily a tank, but it was as close as you're going to get to a tank. Mm-hmm. And the situation we're in now with the draft capital we have, and the chase, uh, as far as chase, and you know we did trade that paper play pool, but that is way too early to judge. And people got to realize that these offenses are not learned overnight. And uh, Justin Fields does much better when he has time to work with the people. So, you know, we ever heard that saying, like, if a quarterback sees a receiver and he's open and the ball is still in the quarterback's hand, he is no longer open. Right. So a lot of this is predicated on timing and route running. And uh, I don't I don't believe that Claypool is going to be uh, a Justin Jefferson or a uh, Jamar Chase, but I believe he'll be a solid two. And uh, as far as the draft goes, uh, if you know in the event that say a situation were to arise where we could trade with the Titans, pardon me, pardon me, the Texans, mm-hmm. the most uh, the return would be a number two pick, and that would and that's it. As far as the as far as the draft value chart, now I think our best case moving forward would be a trade with the Colts, and the return there would be their number two and next year's number one most likely. And. Uh, like you said, I agree with you as far as how Poles did in the draft last year. Um, every every major outlet that graded rookies this year had uh, Risker as the, as the, as the, one of the safeties. Mm-hmm. Him and Kyle him and Kyle Hamilton. So there was uh, three safeties drafted, or not counting yet, four safeties drafted ahead of Risker. Kyle Hamilton, uh, that Petrie, and. Uh, in Houston, and there was two more at the bottom of the first round. Uh, so, uh, the guy from uh, two of them barely played. So, and uh, Kyler Gordon, I mean, he wasn't. Uh, of course, he'd love to see I mean, have, have a season like uh, Sauce Gardner, but Sauce Gardner was the number four pick. Right. So, yeah, no, so I appreciate. I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah, very much so. Thank I'm, you. I'm with you, Pat. Appreciate the phone call here. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. If you want to jump on in, Isaiah is in Griffith, Indiana. What's up, Isaiah? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good evening. Good evening to you as well. What you got for us tonight? All right. So I think we might have the perfect solution for this draft pick. So if I was the Bears, and I hope somebody from front office is uh, paying attention, hopefully I get a job for this. <laughs> so with the first pick, I wouldn't trade to nobody but the Houston Texans. Here's why. Houston Texans. We can trade that pick and get two picks with the number two. 
the board, which should be an offensive tackle or that receiver from uh, TCU. If I'm trading to uh, Houston, I might as well go ahead, pick up Brandon Cooks, maybe John Mechie. I understand he is uh, undergoing treatment, but mm-hmm. you know he'll you know he'll he'll be fine. We don't need him now. That's just another spade in the deck. Um, so we can probably get a receiver, get that second pick, and then I'll trade down again to maybe somebody, maybe Cardinals four or five. I would not trade to the Lions. They're going to be scary in the future. I think they're one in the NFC North next year, honestly. But that's another conversation. But I would trade down and then get a haul from there. Maybe the Cardinals. Hopkins is going to be a free agent. Signing him, we got money. So now we got Brandon Cooks, maybe John Mechie, D. Hopkins. That solves the receiver issue. Now we can focus on getting the offensive lineman, that guy from Northwestern, pick up some more offensive linemen in the draft, more defense. And we may be set next year to look like what the Lions looked somewhat last year. You know, the Mm -hmm. Jags had the number one pick last year, even though they're working with more than what we have. It's all about the acquisitions. And they have the bear, and, and, and not to mention, they can have future draft picks this year and next year from the trading to the Houston Texans and then trading down again. So we'll be set again next year. So I think that might be a good idea. Well, you just you just laid out the entire offseason right there. Well done. Appreciate it, Isaiah. <laughs> no problem, guys. You have a great evening. Be safe. All right. That's Isaiah in Griffith, Indiana, here on Bleck and Abdallah. 312-332-3776 if you want to jump in as well. Uh, real quick, I'll, I'll get to those uh, playoff thoughts that I have, I, I, and I promise I will get to them at some point. Uh, but we've had some great callers here tonight, and we're, we're always open for business here. And tomorrow, by the way is all calls welcome here on Black and Abdallah. So definitely you want to get your calls in tomorrow here on the show. Um, but quickly, I do want to get you a fan duel game of the night. You know, not a lot going on in, in uh, the NFL world right now. Obviously, playoffs are this weekend. But I will give you a little bit of college basketball taste here on Black and Abdallah. Tonight, I like Arizona the Wildcats, minus 7.5, going up against USC. Um, actually, that, that number is up to 8.5 now. Still like it, though, for Arizona, um, going up against USC tonight. They're hosting them. Arizona's got one of the best offenses in the entire country, and USC is just kind of, they're up and down. They, they Sometimes they'll play close with the team, then they'll get blown out by another team. Um, not really sold on them. The same can sort of be said about Arizona, too, but I, I like the offensive output, and I don't think USC can match the size that Arizona can throw out there. They throw two guys out there that are at least 6'11 at all times, so give me the Wildcats with the points tonight. Eight and a half is the number there, um, and you can get it on FanDuel Sportsbook. Must be 21 and older, president of Illinois, uh, and Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And they're running some great stuff as well. Uh, this wild card weekend, if you want to build a same game parlay, a no sweat same game parlay, um, new or existing customers. And if you do, be sure to use the pro. If you do sign up for Fanduel, be sure to use the promo code Tyler. That's promo code Tyler. That bonus issued as a non withdrawable free bet that expires seven days after receipt. Max free bet a hundred dollars. So go sign up right now. FanDuel Sportsbook. 
right here, uh, the FanDuel game of the night. I like Arizona tonight. I'll get some college basketball thoughts in a little bit later. I know Jake Jake was actually psyched up for some college basketball today because his DePaul Blue Demons pulled off a top 10 win last night. Jake Jake was a little, a little puffy-chested today talking about his DePaul Blue Demons. The only college game I caught this year. Only one? Probably the only one I Probably, will yeah. catch. Well, other than one that's on right now, but uh-huh. yes. So you're not, I, you're not even going to watch March Madness, huh? Well, I'll watch a little bit of it, but like unless the Blue Demons are in there, you know, making a little comeback in their franchise, I'm not... Franchise? I'll, I'll, franchise. I'll, pa- I'll pass. What are, we, what are we talking franchise here? Yeah, but like, it was exciting. I called a couple DePaul games uh, while I was there a couple years ago, so obviously, you know, I had my little fair share of DePaul Blue Demons in me, uh, so it was nice to see them uh, finally finally beat someone other than like what it was like two years ago where they had texas tech and they, they beat they had texas that up, tech upset. Yep. Mm-hmm. like that's like the last win you can like recall of them having like a big game like that yeah. so congrats to them all right when we come back i promise we will actually do it this time we will get to my one thought from every single nfl playoff game this weekend tyler rocky sitting in for black and abdallah here on espn 1000 this is Chicago's home for sports on FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app, and ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Follow the show on Twitter at Chris Black and at Adam A. Abdallah. Sitting in for Chris Black and Adam Abdallah tonight. Black will be back tomorrow here from 6 to 8 on ESPN 1000. It'll be an all-calls welcome Friday here on Black and Abdallah. So be sure to dial in for that. 312-332-3776 if you want to hop on into the conversation. All right, let's get to it now. I've been promising my uh, the one thing that I'm looking forward to in every single NFL playoff game this weekend. Here we go. All right. Let's start with the first game of the weekend. Jacksonville traveling to the Kansas City Chiefs. You've got Trevor Lawrence and you've got Patrick Mahomes. And for me, I look at this matchup between these two generational quarterbacks and I say to myself, this is our next iteration of Brady versus Manning. I know some people may be saying, well, what about Josh Allen? Josh Allen is very good. Don't get me wrong. But we also have seen Josh Allen struggle at times with turnovers. I'll get to that a little bit later on. But I think that when you look at what Trevor Lawrence is showing you right now, he's playing the quarterback position at as high of a level as we've seen anyone in these playoffs so far. You look at what Lawrence did last game. I think it's really remarkable. And and tip of the hat to to Doug Peterson for getting this out of Trevor Lawrence, too. Because when you go out and throw four interceptions to start a game, I don't think there's many quarterbacks, if any at all, that can rebound from that. You heard Mike Tirico on with, with Waddle and Sylvie earlier today. Four interceptions is benchable. Like, 99% of quarterbacks are getting benched, especially in a do-or-die playoff game if you go out there and throw four 
interceptions in the first half. But he rebounded, got the one touchdown before the half, and then rode all that momentum into the second half and pulled out the miraculous comeback against the Los Angeles Chargers there. But this, to me, looks like our next iteration of Brady and Manning. We see what Patrick Mahomes is doing, what he's done, what he's already accomplished. I think we're going to see these two in AFC championships for years and years to come. I think these will be the two best quarterbacks in the AFC moving forward. I know Josh Allen is still around, and he'll figure into some of these AFC championship games like we always would see a, a, a Roethlisberger pop his head in every once in a while for those, and eventually he would win some Super Bowls too. But to me, these are going to be the two best quarterbacks in the NFL and in the AFC moving forward. This is our next Brady and Manning, and this is going to be our first iteration that we're going to get in the playoffs between these two teams. All right, next up, Giants at Philadelphia. You know, for me... I wonder if the Giants can keep up because we've seen what happens when things go haywire for this Giants team. Like, let's not act like this was a team that was 12 and 5, 11 and 6. They were 9, 7 and 1 this season. And you look at some of their victories, too. A lot of really close games. You know who doesn't play in a whole heck of a lot of close games? Philadelphia Eagles. They blew teams out, including this very Giants team in Philadelphia. You got, and you don't have to go back that far either. The Giants got obliterated by the Eagles. Um, actually, this game was in New York. Now, I, I'm reading things wrong here. This game was in New York, and the Eagles beat them 48-22 to in Week 14 of the NFL season. 48 to 22. Blew the doors off of them there. Now, the Giants rebounded, had a nice close to their season as well. And they did pick up the playoff victory on the road against the Vikings. But I think it's a lot to ask for a team like the Giants, talent depleted, and a quarterback who's just sort of running a system really, really well right now under Brian Dable. Like, the Eagles have had game plans for the Giants three times this year now, all right? And I think that makes the install for this season, for this playoff game for the Eagles a lot easier. It's a seven and a half point spread. I like the Eagles to go out and cover that number. And when you look at what Jalen Hurts, he the big thing with him was, all right, how's he going to recover from this injury, right? What's he going to look like? What's the new Jalen Hurts going to look like? He's had an extra week of rest to get that shoulder right. And obviously, there's the concerns about, oh, will the Giants be targeting that shoulder that he has? Yes, absolutely. But this is also an offensive line that's getting Lane Johnson back. Um, the best tack, One of the best tackles in all football. Um, they're getting him back. He was a full participant in practice this week. And I think that that's going to make a big difference, especially going up against Kayvon Thibodeau, who's been a really, really good edge rusher for the Giants to close out the season. So I look at this game. I don't think it's going to be all that close. I do think Philadelphia goes out there and blows out the Giants because they, they crushed them once already this season. I know that last game was a little bit closer, um, but like that think. was that was also a weird game because 
The Eagles were they were playing for a playoff spot or for uh, home field there. The Giants weren't really playing guys, um, but it was Jalen Hurts coming back and kind of reacclimating himself to the to game speed there. You like to think Sirianni didn't show his cards. He oh, knew yeah. he knew there was a possibility that they would be playing the Giants mm-hmm. in the playoff. Yeah, so they have they have some stuff up up his sleeve that he's going to pull out. Also, I don't have the exact numbers here, but when you play a team for a third time in any sport. Um, where you only play a team once or twice, it usually does not go well for the team that's 0-2. So that's the position the Giants are in right now as we go into the divisional round of the playoffs here. That game taking place Saturday night on Fox. On to the Sunday games here. We've got the Bills and the Bengals. This is a rematch of the incomplete game from earlier this season where we saw DeMar Hamlin go down. But I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Will Josh Allen's turnovers finally catch up to him? You know, I think Josh Allen has, over the course of the last couple of games, and really for a large portion of the the second half of the season, I think that he's been the beneficiary of not playing against offenses that can make him pay for some of his turnovers. You know, they ride into this game on an eight-game winning streak. The Bengals come in with a nine-game winning streak. It's a rare feat to have this sort of matchup between the two teams with those long of winning streaks so far. Um, But will Josh Allen's turnovers finally start to catch up with him? You know, he's thrown 14 interceptions this season. He's also lost six fumbles as well. He leads the league with five red zone interceptions. He also had three turnovers last week as well. That really kept Miami around. So are we going to finally see a Bengals team make Josh Allen pay for those interceptions? Because you look at the quarterbacks that Josh Allen has gone up against over the last couple of weeks where he's he's had these turnover issues. You've got last week, it was Skylar Thompson. Week before that, Mac Jones. Week before that, it was Justin Fields in a in a frozen tundra. Um, you had the Dolphins. I believe that was a combination of both Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson in that game. The Jets with the revolving door that they've had with uh, uh, Mike White. Um, the Patriots again with Mac Jones. Jared Goff. The Browns with Jacoby Brissett. Like, that's not a group of quarterbacks that's going to make you pay. So is this finally the time where we see the turnovers that Josh Allen has been privy to, especially in the second half of the season? We're going to start to see it catch up to him a little bit here. He's got to take care of the football. Two interceptions as well as a fumble last week. I don't think that this Bills team is going to go deep into the playoff. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team right now. And it's because Josh Allen is going to end up holding them back because of the turnovers that he has fallen into over the course of the last couple of weeks. So I like Cincinnati as an upset there. Um, last game here, we've got Dallas and San Francisco. You know, this is, uh, Jake, we were having the conversation a little bit earlier that this may be the most watched non-Super Bowl game of the last 20 or 30 years because you've got rabid fan base, number one, America's team, and another team on the other side in San Francisco who has a huge following as well because of what they had with Montana and with Young and with Jerry Rice um, in the 80s and 90s there. 
Um, you've got two huge fan bases that are going to be dialed into this one. You've got a prime time ish slot, five o'clock on Sunday here in the Central Time Zone. But my question here and my thought here: Can we see Dak Prescott string together back to back good games? You know, Dak Prescott was on a streak of seven straight games with an interception. He finally snapped that this past week. But if you look at him rebounding after double-digit wins, all right? They they go out, they beat Tampa Bay by 17 last week, all right? So you look back, all right? His first game back from injury was against Detroit, all right? So they didn't really use him a whole heck of a lot. And then his next game after that was against the Bears, Throws for 250 and two touchdowns. Solid game. But I kind of count that as like his first real game back. They eased him into that Detroit game and leaned on the running game a lot. They even eased him into that Chicago game as well and leaned on the running game a lot in that one. All right. Next game where they won by double digits. It was that 40 to three beatdown over the Vikings where he goes for 276 and 88% completion percentage, two touchdowns, no interceptions in that one. But then he follows it up, albeit with a win, but he throws a pair of interceptions against the Giants. Then, the next game where they really blew a team out. You go 54-19. 50-burger on the Colts there, right? A really unimpressive Colts team. But Dak goes out there, throws for three touchdowns to just one interception. And then the next game is the one where they almost lose to the Texans. They need a last-minute drive to go down the field. Dak throws um, a pair of interceptions, just one touchdown, 24 of 39. That's a 62% completion percentage. That was one of his worst of the, the season there. was not a good Dak game. Then you go to the next time they win by double digits. 27 to 13 victory over the Tennessee Titans on the road. Dak was solid in that game. pair of touchdowns also threw two interceptions, though. 282 yards in the win against Tennessee. But then they follow it up the very next week. And this was a long week, too, because that Tennessee game was a Thursday night game, I remember. But they follow it up the very next week with a loss against Washington with a chance to get the one seed. Dak throws for 128 yards, is 14 of 37. That's a 38% completion percentage. By far and away his worst of the year, a touchdown and an interception. Dak has not responded well after kind of feeling himself the game before with a double-digit victory. So can Dak Prescott string together back-to-back great games? I'm intrigued by this one because when you look at what Dallas has done this season, their ceiling is as good as anybody else in football right now. But, boy, their floor can be a real a real clunker. And we saw them look as good as can be against Tampa Bay on Monday night. But now you've got a short week. The other little side story here, feels like D'Amico Ryans has taken a ton of interviews uh, leading into this one, the defensive coordinator for the, the San Francisco 49ers. So I'm intrigued to see how, how that works. Like, I'm hoping this is one of those situations. Like, Jake... Kendra, I'm sure you guys had this growing up. Like, if you want TV time, if you want video game time, make sure your homework's done first before you go out and, and you get to, uh, to hit the sticks and go play Xbox or go watch TV. Just make sure your homework's done first. All right? So, D'Amico Ryans, he's taken a ton of interviews this week leading into 
this game against the the Dallas Cowboys, a playoff game. And D'Amico Ryan's a hell of a coach. I think he will have his guys ready, but just something I'm keeping my eye on, on what this 49ers defense is going to look like. So that are those are my thoughts on every single game leading into the playoffs uh, for this divisional round here. I'm really excited. It's going to be a fantastic weekend of football. And we will be breaking it down with you all weekend long and all next week here on ESPN 1000. All right. When we come back, we've got some Zoo News for you. We'll mix it up a little bit. We've got some Zoo News coming up next here on Black and Abdallah. Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. Thank you to Kendra Smith and Jake Cantu for producing tonight's show of Black and Abdallah. The guys were in for Greeny this morning from... 10 to noon, so be sure to check that out on the Black and Abdallah podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Chris will be back tomorrow here from 6 to 8 on ESPN 1000. All right. I don't know if we've ever done... No, we have done this. It's time for a little bit of Zoo News here. Well, hello, Mr. Lion. Here's the latest edition of the Zoo News. Now, sometimes we have the debate on this show, right? Is it a Zoo News story or is it an animal story? Well, tonight... I'm bringing you the debate. Is it a zoo news story or is it a robot story? This is from the Financial Times. Google Translate for the zoo, how humans might talk to animals. A sonic revolution triggered by advances in hardware and software lets us eavesdrop on planetary conversations. So, this is a combination of AI, but also the zoo. We've got a little hybrid here. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what you guys think. Is this more of a robot story, or is this a zoo news story? But, this was from the Financial Times. New technological tools often enable fresh scientific discoveries. Take the case of Antoine van Leeuwenhoek, the 17th century Dutch amateur science and pioneer microscopist who built 25 single single lens microscopes with which he studied fleas, weevils, red blood cells, and bacteria, among other things. But centuries later, new technological tools are enabling a global community to explore the natural world of sound in richer detail and at a greater scale than ever before. And what this science may bring to us one day is the ability to communicate with the animals or at least understand what they are saying at the zoo. So now I ask you, Jake, and I ask you, Kendra, is this more of a zoo news story or is this more of a robot story? Or is this just a good old-fashioned hybrid? I think this is a breakthrough story. A breakthrough story. Way to cop out there, Jake. But I think it's a <laughs> robot story. It's more of an AI robot story. Okay. So to me. All right. Well, this is a zoo story because we needed this when that leopard got out in the Dallas Zoo to communicate with it. You know, where are you at? Where are you hiding? Yeah. And th- this is perfect. You know, 
Sucks about the timing, but it's perfect in the future if something happens like that. All right, I want to I want to see what this sounds like here. Well, I wonder what's new with the zoo, baby. A little hybrid of uh, Lawrence Welk show and the Terminator music. I don't think it goes very well together. Um, but anyway, so the bigger this is called additive AI, using machines to learn more and explore specific newly created data sets derived, for example, from satellite imagery, genome sequencing quantum sensing or bioacoustic recordings and it raises the possibility of over the next two decades of interspecies communication as humans use machines to translate and replicate animal sounds creating a kind of google translate for the zoo we don't have the dictionary for what this looks like right now but the ingredients exist to create one i don't know about you i have zero interest in talking to an animal I have zero interest in knowing what an animal is even saying to another animal. Let the animal's business be its own. We're going to get insulted by animals now. Like, that's what really this does. Ooh, yeah. They, yeah, I, I don't think the animals will, uh, I don't think the animals will think too kindly of us here. But, all right, so Jake thinks this is a zoo story. Kendra thinks it's a robot story. I'm going to go with... This is more robot story than zoo story upon further review, just because I feel like this can dive into the animal kingdom as well, into the animal story realm as well. But I think it also qualifies under the zoo story. So, um, but robot, yeah, we'll, we'll go with the robot here for the most part. But I, I have no interest in talking to animals. I don't know if either of you two have interest in talking to animals. I just, I, let, let the animals be. Why, why do we have to micromanage animals, right? Like we're already like we're all these talking animals in in these TV shows and uh, in these movies. Just, just let the animals be. I don't need I don't need animal dialogue here. No, it so. can't happen. It, it won't happen like that. That's why we're doing it. We want to know. We want to know. People we're too to curious this. as a society. Exactly. People Way too to curious this. as a society. But yes, you're right. Everything's a money making opportunity, and this is certainly one of them right here. So I listen. I, I'm not in for the the animal communication, but hey. Science has gotten out of hand, out of hand with what they're trying to create. Just don't, let's be smart, all right? I, I heard Bleck and Abdallah talking about uh, the, the, that Boston company that does all the robot stuff. They need to chill. They really need to chill. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Bleck and Abdallah tonight. You missed anything, check out the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcast. Chris Bleck will be back with you tomorrow from 6 to 8 right here on ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports.